0: 165. some prayer please yes lord now yes lord move amen please do be seated well, I am glad that y'all are here uh, for the midweek service, and uh, it's been a blessed week. I tell you, we've had some tremendous preaching. Every message is built on uh, the next, and uh, I know a lot of folks have been uh, watching them. Uh, quite a few folks are uh, watching them if they can't be here, and, and, uh, and so do continue to pray, continue to invite, and uh, I know uh, we got some visitors telling me they're coming tomorrow, and so we just pray that uh, the Lord would bless that um just uh, real quick are we recording back there who's in let's see if I come back here I don't see anybody where is she all right do we have any prayer requests that we need to are we recording right now there we go <laughs> she just moved Let's uh, finish off with number 470, 470. about making a joyful noise to the Lord and and, uh, when we get to heaven you know we're gonna I think we'll all think we're gonna have perfect pitch and everything like that I don't know but I I gotta tell you it's a joy to be able to sing those songs I don't know about you but there's no greater privilege in all of creation than being the friend of the God of creation and it's a it's it's a relationship he invites us to he doesn't just want to be our savior he wants to be our friend what a glorious thing amen Brother uh, Jeremy Taylor, I've enjoyed the week. You come and you preach. No statistics. Amen.
1: <laughs> well, good. My self-conscience is, is, is doing better with no statistics this last couple of nights. Uh, take your Bibles with me. Let's go over to Genesis chapter number 12 tonight. Genesis chapter 12, I tell you I've enjoyed the week thus far, appreciate uh, your faithfulness to the services, appreciate your hospitality and uh, attentiveness during the services, it's been a joy, it's always good and it's always a blessing to preach to folks that like preaching. Uh, I mean that from the very depth of my heart. You say, well, preacher, doesn't everybody in church like preaching? I, I wish that were the case. I, I really do, but I- I'm so grateful uh, to be here this week. My heart's been encouraged, been a good time to spend with my family and I. We all I went to Springfield today and went to a couple bookstores, that kind of stuff, and I think I'm going to have to rent a U-Haul to go home. Uh, but uh, actually, I-, I have to confess, I think I bought more books than anybody else uh, today, so is what it is, but we had a good time and uh, just appreciate appreciate the time the Lord's allowed us to have. Genesis chapter 12, tonight you reach a place, let's stand together, shall we? Genesis chapter 12, and you um, would allow me tonight, I, I want to preach just a little bit, maybe more, uh, a different emphasis than perhaps what we've had thus week, and though we'll do our best to make application to everybody We do want to narrow in and try to be obedient to the Lord tonight and so uh, trust that God will help us and uh, the scriptures will speak to our heart and God will do his work as he sees fit. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1, the Bible says this, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Can I just stop right there and make a statement that often God blesses us for the purpose of being a blessing to others. And I think that's a good truth. It's not the message tonight, but I think it is a good truth that'll help us as we're reminded from the Scriptures. Nonetheless, verse number four, the Bible says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and to the land of Canaan they came. Our Father, tonight, we do thank you for the privilege of gathering in this place. Dear Lord, we do thank you for the honor that's ours to be able to lift our voice in song and praise to your wonderful name. Dear God, thank you for that truth, the privilege that you desire to be our friend. Why you'd want to be friends with us, I have no idea God, I think it's really a no-brainer why we would want to be your friend and we'd want to love you, but why you would want that from us, I I don't know. God, I'm so grateful tonight that you see fit. And so help us, dear Lord, as we gather around the word of God. I pray that something might be said tonight to stir our hearts, help us, challenge us, rebuke us where we need it. God, may we leave the service tonight better than what we came to. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it as we ask it together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so very, very much. You may be seated. We find here in verse number one that of all the things that the Lord could have spoken and said unto Abram, we find that the very first recorded conversation in the scriptures between God and Abraham, that God comes to Abraham and tells him, I want you to leave the land of your family and your kindred, and I want you to head out to a place that I'm going to show you. And ladies and gentlemen, the idea here is that God hasn't shown him the destination, but first God wants him to take a step of faith. I just want you to trust me. I want you to do what I'm asking of you to do. And the Bible says that Abraham did. And I don't know how it must have gone. I can only imagine tonight what it was like for Abraham to go home and talk to Sarah and say, uh, sweetheart, pack the bags, we're leaving. Uh, where are we going? I ain't got a clue, but God said go, and so uh, we're headed out. And it really is an amazing thing when you think about, to her credit, she follows and submits and yields. I mean, she's, it's not just Abraham leaving everything that he's ever known, but she's leaving Everything. And yet to her credit, she does. She obeys uh, what the Lord has asked of her husband. And she follows, she yields to the authority in her life and submits. And I'll just say this, again, it's not the message, but I think it's good truth and a good reminder for us that, my friend, that's the way often God will work. God will take and lead things. And um, we find that spirituality can be found often and seen in people's submission, <laughs> Do you understand with me tonight in Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible teaches in verse 18 that we're not to be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but the Bible says we're to be filled with the Spirit. And it's an interesting that the very next three verses that follow that statement all of them end in a semicolon. In other words, everyone, verse 19, verse 20, and verse 21 are all a manifestation of what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 19 talks about how we're to speak in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. And I tell you that God does put a new song in our heart and there's something about just listening to God's people and singing and uh, how the Spirit of God encourages us with a song in our soul in our heart. But then verse uh, 20 says this, not only are we to speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but then it goes that we're to give thanks. And I tell you, if we're walking in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit of God like we ought to be, then my friend, we ought to be a thankful people. I will tell you that really ungratefulness and ingratitude is the downfall of any people. You go read Romans chapter number one, and before they get into the debauchery of sin, the Bible says they became unthankful first. And I'll tell you, that's the downfall of it, uh, even of our own country is we become ungrateful to what God has done, and we've taken him for granted and his blessings upon us as a people. But then it goes to verse 21. So there's verse 19, there's verse 20, and then there's verse 21, and it says, submitting yourselves one to another. And the truth of the matter is God has a, a line of authority. That word submitting is a military term. And, and there is a rank structure. There is a order of authority and those who call the shots. And that is in a local church context. And I tell you, when it comes to our marriage and Miss Jenny and I, and um, honestly, her submission to me has got nothing to do with my spirituality. Well, some of you, I don't know about that. No, honestly, her submission, she's to submit to her husband as and to the Lord. Now, now listen, it's got nothing to do with my. I don't always deserve it. And as long as I'm not asking her to violate her relationship and violate the word of God, she really is to follow the leadership that God's placed in her life. And so her submission really has nothing to do with my spirituality, but it has everything to do with hers. If she's going to be what God wants her to be and things God's put an authority. Okay, we understand that in a marriage context, but ladies and gentlemen, it does come into the local church as well and God has given the church a pastor and it is our responsibility as members of one of the Lord's churches to follow and submit and yield to the authority that God has. And, and, and I'm just amazed at Sarah here. She, she really has no idea, no direction, no uh, inclination. She, from everything we can tell, was not there when Abraham has this conversation with God, and yet it's because she trusts the Lord and trusts God and the way he has set things up. Abraham comes home and says, hey, we're moving, and Sarah follows. But tonight, may I remind you that Sarah's not the only one That goes with him. If you look with me in verse number four, here's what we find. We find very clearly here that it says, and Abram, you'll have to excuse me. I'll do my best to say Abram, but I promise you it's going to say Abraham most of the time tonight. Just forgive me if you would, okay? But it says Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Now notice this. These next five words And Lot went with him. When Abram followed what God asked of him, we are told very clearly in verse number four and again in verse number five that Lot travels with his uncle. Now, that being the case, we see in the life of Abraham and Lot several things. Abram invested highly into the life and the future success of his nephew. He taught him several things. First of all, he taught him how to work. In verse 7 and verse 8 of chapter 12, we find that Abram built an altar. He was a worker. We find in verse 9 that he journeyed. He wasn't lazy. He wasn't some... uh, I don't want to use... Uh, just flippant terminology, but I'll just say it this way tonight. He really wasn't a bum, okay? Abram was a man who was willing to work. He was willing to do whatever God wanted to do, and he wasn't one of these who walked around with his hand looking for a handout and somebody to take care of him. Abram was a very industrious individual, and my friend, he taught lot along the way what it was to earn a day's wage, to work in in his life, and I'm going to tell you, we're living in a generation where young people need to be taught how to work. It seems we have a society where people want a paycheck, but not many people want to work. And yet, the Bible is clear in the book of Proverbs that there's profit in all labor. Amen. And so, Abram teaches Lot. And he teaches not just as a taskmaster sitting over to the side and says, Well, Uh, Lot, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to be involved here and do those. No, he taught him by example. One of the best ways to teach somebody is to get into it with them and show them how it's done. I'm afraid sometimes we go to Proverbs 22 and verse number six as a parent, and the Bible says train up a child in the ways you go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And we look at that and we think, Teaching or training is just about lecturing. And I got news for you, my friend, that's not training. Training is to get alongside them and show them how it's done, show them what's expected, and then somewhere along the way, show them and then let them do it as you inspect it. And if it's not quite right, then, then help them, but you to train them. Proverbs 23, verse 26, Solomon makes a statement to his own son. He says, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. In other words, see in me how it's to be done. And so we find very clearly, Abram taught his nephew how to work. May I also tell you he taught him about wealth. Abram was very, no, 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 Bible doesn't say Abram was rich. The Bible says Abram was very rich. And no doubt he taught Abram, I personally believe that Lot went with Abram because he saw God's hand upon him and the blessings that came along with it. And somewhere along the way, Lot learned some things about finances and wealth and how to handle prosperity from Uncle Abram, and it had an impact upon his life. And again, without trying to labor needlessly tonight... I will say that as parents, we better teach the next generation how to deal with their finances. Because this, con- this government's not going to. The country and society's not going to have to teach them how to store and think about tomorrow and the days ahead. And so Abram taught about work. He taught him about wealth. Let me also tell you tonight, he taught him about walking with God. Because you see, Abram wasn't just a casual believer he wasn't somebody who just showed up at church every once in a while and checked off the box and then went to society and lived how he wanted to and did what he wanted to. No, Abram lived and walked with God on a daily basis. We find here in chapter number 12 and verse number 1 that he ends up in a dialogue with the Lord himself. We find later that he's building altars in which everywhere he goes, he goes to this place he builds an altar. He goes to another place, he builds an altar. He spends time with God. When God wants to show something or tell Abram something, he's got a close enough relationship that he just comes and talks to Abram. We find later in chapter 18 that before God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he goes and spends some time and has a meal and communion with Abram himself. I'm just telling you, there's a relationship that's been established between God and Abraham. And Abraham gets to see not just Abram talk about God, but he gets to see with his own eyes, Abram walk with God. That's vital. To have our young folks and to have the next generation watch what it is to walk with God in our lives, so they can see with their own eyes. I love my parents very, very much, and my dad's a, a, a good man. I love him. He's had an impact in my life. But I'll be honest with you, the person that's probably had the biggest impact on my life when I was younger is my mother. My mother had a walk with God that I, I just tell you, it's unparalleled. Mom would get up in the mornings about five o'clock every morning and you didn't bother her for the first couple of hours. Mom would have the door shut and she'd come in, get her coffee, those things, go back to the, to the room and she'd be reading her Bible. She'd be praying. There'd be times I'd come through the living room as a teenage boy and I was lost as I, I could be and really didn't care a lot of things about church and that kind of stuff. But I'd be running through the house and doing something. Mom said, ha, 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 come here. She goes, read this. Mom, No, no just, just look at this. And she'd show me some verse. She goes, what do you think that means? I don't know. You're the theologian. You tell me. But no, she'd and just impact watching her over the years walk with her Savior. And so we find very, very clearly that Abram has invested heavily into the life of his nephew Lot. And the Bible says when God called him to the land of Canaan and heads out, finally got that, that, that Lot goes with him and there is an investment, there is an a, a impact upon his life. But I want you to go with me this evening to Genesis chapter 13. Come over another chapter and let's look together in chapter 13 tonight. In chapter 13, go down with me in verse number 8, would you? I know that most of us are probably familiar with the account, but let's look at it. Verse number 8, Genesis 13. The Bible says, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, And they separated themselves one from the other. Eventually, after all this time, and we don't have a whole lot of time frame as far as how long they were together, but there was some time, and Abram has invested in Lot. But eventually, it comes to the point that Lot comes to, or Abram comes to Lot, excuse me, and says, uh, we're going to have to part ways, you need to make a choice and you choose to go one way, whatever way you choose, I, you go one way and I'll go the other. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we find that because of the herdmen, because of the strife and discontent that was happening amongst them, Abraham forces a choice. Now here's what I want you to see with me tonight. As long as Lot is with Abraham, everything's okay. As long as he's under Abraham's wing, as long as he's under Abraham's shadow, following Abraham according to Abraham's rules, according to Abraham's standards, according to Abraham's life, as long as Lot is attached to Abraham, everything's good. But the moment... Lot steps away from Abraham. Things don't go so well. I want to preach for a moment or two tonight. Can you make it without Abraham? Because here's the truth of the matter tonight. We all have an Abraham in one form or fashion. We've all had an Abraham in our life at one point or another. Let's just be honest, we don't end up where we are in our Christian life, serving in the capacity that we're serving in without somebody investing in our lives and helping us and discipling us and teaching us and mentoring us along the way. There is nobody that's ever been able to look at themselves and say, yeah, I've arrived in my Christian life by my own efforts and my own issues and no. Every one of us, somebody. That's the way it works. We're all a link in a chain, ladies and gentlemen. And we're to disciple and mentor and pass down to those things that have been given to us. And that's the way God works. So we all had an Abraham. Now sometimes our Abraham is a mom or a dad. But not all the time. Sometimes it's a grandma or papa. Sometimes, as is in our case here in the passage, it's an uncle or an aunt, but sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's a pastor who's given of himself and disciple and help and led us along the way. Sometimes it's a church member. Sometimes it's a Sunday school teacher. Sometimes God places the things in our life the way he does, and I'm just trying to help us understand tonight, all of us have an Abraham to one degree or another because we wouldn't be where we are with the blessings of God upon our life had somebody not invested in us to bring us where we are. So we all have an Abraham. But what about when Abraham's not around? And I want to look to the young people tonight for just a second if I mind. It's wonderful for you to live for the Lord when you're in mom and dad's home and mom and dad says, get ready, we're going to church and we're going to revival meeting and we're going to camp and we're going to this and we're going to do this and we have family devotions and we're trying to live for the Lord. It's one thing for you to live and do right when you're in their home. But someday, at some point, you're going to have to live life on your own. and You can do it when you're in And with Abraham. But what about when Abraham's not around? It's one thing for you to do right when you're with the church family. It's one thing to do right when you're together as a church body or when the pastor's around. And, and, you know, we we gotta act right and do right when the pastor's around. But what about when he's not around? What about when you're at home and the doors are shut? Can we make it without Abraham? Because what we find here with Abram and Lot is the primary difference is a difference in their relationship. Abram had a relationship with God, and Lot. Has a relationship with Abram that has a relationship with God. Somewhere along the way, we've got to have our own relationship. We've got to have our own walk. We've got to have our own convictions. We've got to have our own standards. We've got to have our own desires to be able to honor and love and serve and adore the God of all creation. Somewhere, we've got to have our own relationship. So I ask you tonight, can we make it without Abraham? I'll give you three questions tonight. Number one... Can we make the right picks without Abraham? You know, it's interesting. The very first time Abram comes and talks to Lot and says, um, Well, our herdmen are having issues and there's strife and there's discontent, and we're brethren. In other words, we're family and this shouldn't be this way. And so I tell you what. We're going to make a choice. You're going to choose. You're going to go one way, and I'm going to go the other. Can can I say this? Abram, I've always been intrigued by that because Abraham really had the right to tell Lot. He's the patriarch of the family. Lot has gone with Abram on this journey, and Abram had every right to look at Lot, the younger, and say, you go that way. I'm going this way. But he doesn't. He takes a step back and gives Lot an opportunity to choose and make a choice. And what we find here is that the very first choice he's given to that's recorded in the Scriptures is his first choice goes right in the toilet. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't go well at all. He sets his attention and his focus upon secular things that are pleasing to the eye and he ends himself up with some choices that really affect the rest of his life. In fact, you have your Bible with me tonight. Go over to the New Testament and look in 2 Peter chapter 2 with me. Do we understand together that choices? Sometimes we're so casual and nonchalant, especially in our younger days, about choices and decisions. Say, well, you know, if this doesn't turn out right, I can always, you know, fix it and make it right later. Uh, That's not always the case. Sometimes our whole journey, our whole life, and our future can. Hang or hinge on one choice. So Lot looks, and he sees Sodom, and he's intrigued with the well-watered plains of Jordan, and he heads off in that direction. Here's what Second Peter, chapter number two says. It says down in verse number seven with me, if you would. Well, verse number six first, it says this, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ash, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. These two words vex are actually different words. The first vex is a word which means to be weary or to be worn down. He says that he, wore, he got worn down. The second word in verse number 8, the word vexed, is a word which has to do with the word being, it means to be tortured. It has to do with the idea in, in medieval times they would put people on a rack. They would literally stretch them out and bind their hands and their feet and they would turn that, that, that dial and they would turn the wheel and they would stretch them to literally pull joints and things out of socket and stretch. I mean, it was extremely painful. And the Bible says about Lot, it says when he got in Sodom and Gomorrah, it wore him down. No, At first... I imagine, oh, I can handle this. I'm okay. Nope, I won't do that. I won't go there. And before you know it, little by little by little, it chipped away at his convictions. It chipped away at his resolve. And ladies and gentlemen, it literally wore him down to the point that it got to where he was tortured. That's what happened to him. That's the impact that this has had upon his life. And so Lot makes a decision based solely upon what he sees. And, 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 you know, can can I ask you this? Especially young people tonight. You ought to think, first of all, Mom and dad and the influence that's in your life to help you try to live for God and do the things that you ought to. But I've already said it, and I'm just going to say it again tonight. Somewhere along the way, you need to be able to develop your own relationship with him. You need to read your Bible, not because mom and dad said you need to read your Bible, but you need to read your Bible because you in your heart want to learn what it is to to, to get to know this wonderful friend and this Savior who loved you enough to give himself for you. You ought to read the Bible with an expectation and a desire. I want to know more about him. I want to, we ought to pray tonight not just because the pastor says so or the church expects it or somebody else has demanded it of us. We ought to do it because there's a God that loved us and we ought to do it out of an anticipation that I get to spend time with Him and talk to Him and commune with Him. Somewhere there's got to be our own decisions and realize that we need Him in our lives. So we find very clearly that Lot has made a choice and never really considered. I I, I find it interesting to look back with me in our passage tonight in Genesis chapter 12 and here's what we find. In verse number 10 it says this, in Genesis chapter 12 verse 10, well actually excuse me, it's found over in verse thirteen, uh, chapter 13, verse 10. It said, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And then notice this, before the Lord destroyed Sodom. You know what he made his decision based off? The present. The here and now. He never gave consideration what God thought about Sodom and Gomorrah or what might happen in Sodom and Gomorrah. He made his decisions based off what's going to affect, what, 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 what's effectual now, what he wants, what's pleasing to the eye. It's all about the temporary. And can I tell you as God's people, no matter what our age is, if we'll make decisions based with eternity in mind, we're going to be a whole lot better off in the long run. Too often, it's about what pleases me now. What takes care of me now. What do I like now? What's the easiest path now? What's the less strenuous? And the truth of the matter is, if you and I will make decisions based upon God and eternity, I'm telling you, we're going to be a lot better off in the long run. We need to make right choices. And and, and by the way, these choices ought to be determined in our heart now. Young person, the best thing you can do is start determining, I'm gonna live for God now. I'm gonna give my life to the Lord now. I'm gonna put myself in situations that are gonna honor him and I'm not gonna put myself in situations that are gonna dishonor him. Make those choices in your heart now. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8, says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. On four different occasions in the book of Psalms, the psalmist said, My heart is fixed. Do you know what that word fixed means? That word fixed has the idea of predetermined. Before you ever get in a situation, you ought to have your heart already determined, I will not do what dishonors God. A lot of God's people get themselves in a situation and circumstances, and the flesh gets the best of them because they wait till the situation arises, and then they start trying to figure out, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell you right now. We ought to put ourselves and make decisions, or fix our heart, determine ahead of time. I'm not going to put myself in a uh, You won't have to go, you, you won't have to worry about alcohol being an issue if we already predetermined we don't go to the bars. Right. And, and I can give you an example, example, and you could give me some tonight too. We understand. But the issue is, go ahead and make choices and determinations that you're going to do right by God. Can you make right picks without Abraham? Number two, can you walk the right path without Abraham? Go to chapter 14 with me tonight, Genesis 14. Because in chapter 13, verse 12, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You know what that means? That means he leaned in that direction. So so I'm going to go over here and I'm going to lean in that direction and that's where I'm headed. And and I don't know if you're like me, but I have to watch it when I drive. Because where I lean and look is where I end up going. (laughs) But do you know that we're that way in life a lot of times? We start getting our eyes here and before you know it, we're leaning in that direction and we'll end up in that direction. Bible says in chapter 13 verse 12 that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. But by the time you come to chapter 14, here's what you find in verse number 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. By the time you get to chapter 19, you find that he's in the gate. Uh, What does that mean in the gate? The gate is where they hold city government. It's where the king sits. It's where things happen. Uh, I I get tickled sometimes because people think, well, you know, the gates, and uh, they talk about the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and they think some little bitty rickety gate and that kind of stuff. That's not the idea. When the Bible uses the word gates, it's talking about the very government of, because that's where government is located. And so in that idea that God, the Lord said, I will build my church in the gates of hell, that's talking about the government, the jurisdiction, the very forces of hell will not prevail against his house. Okay, now we find Lot sitting, participating, actively involved in the city government of a city Like Sodom. Now I don't think we need to take all the time tonight and talk about how wicked and undone and all the ungodliness that is located in Sodom. Not just the sexual deviancy, but ladies and gentlemen, there's a whole lot more God has to say about Sodom. Go read Ezekiel chapter 16. God talks about their pride, their rebellion, their arrogancy. God talks about a number of things about the city of Sodom. And now Lot, who when Abraham was around and he was walking with Abraham, everything was fine. But when he gets out from away from Abraham, he starts making wrong picks and walking a wrong path. And he's headed in a direction that is not going to be. Uh, Listen, we're talking about this issue of of, of leaning. Again, chapter 13, verse number 12. it, It says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. We've spent a lot of time this week talking about our heart. Talking about where our heart is. You know why? Because a lot of times what's in your heart... Finds its way to the surface. The Bible says, Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You understand tonight that Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 says, For out of the heart uh, comes evil thoughts, murders, fornications, adulteries, all that wickedness comes from the heart. Sometimes we think, Man, I just don't understand how somebody did that. How did somebody just out of nowhere go and do something so foolish? How can they just turn their back on God and walk out of the church and do this kind of thing? of stuff. I'll tell you, my friend, before they ever did it in action, it was in their heart. It was in their heart. Oh, they may have hit it and you may not have seen it, but the Bible is clear. It was in their heart before it ever came to the surface. And so you say, well, preacher, what, what, are, you, what are you getting at? You and I need to do our best to stay close to the Lord and stay close to God's people and God's house and have our heart tuned into him that you and I might make the right choices and thereby walk the right path. You understand Sodom might look fun now. Won't you ask Lot how fun it was when he's standing and there's nothing but ashes left. So I ask you tonight, can we make right picks without Abraham? Can we walk a right path without Abraham? I'll give you a third thing tonight. Can we have the right persuasion without Abraham? They so said, what do you mean by that? We read in our opening text that God talked to Abraham and said, I want thee to get you out of the land of your kindred to a land which I'll show you of. And from everything we can tell, God never says anything about taking Lot with him. I personally believe that Lot saw God's hand on Abraham and it impacted his life, his heart, He said, man, God's blessed him. God's helped him. God's been with him. And I think there was something about Abram that drew Lot to want to be with Uncle Abraham. But you look at Lot's life. And there was nobody that he impacted. If you were to go to chapter 19, we find that the angels come and they tell Abram, or excuse me, they tell lot, get out of Sodom, God's going to destroy the city. Abram goes to his sons-in-law and his daughters and begins to tell them, "Hey, get your stuff, we got to get out of here." And the Bible says he seemed as one that mocked. That's right. <sighs> come on. Really? In spite of the message that he had for them. They didn't see anything in his life that caused them to believe and trust and want what he had. His own wife turned around and out of a lustful heart desired for Sodom and Gomorrah. It was over. His own daughters down the road end up in a cave with their dad and a horrible, decadent situation. Right. It didn't impact anybody. God help us tonight to want to have a life that where the message we tell people about the coming of the Lord and the judgment that is to withhold from them. Ladies and gentlemen, may our message be heard because they see something in us that they would want, desire, and it would impact them. The greatest thing we can do in light of eternity is to take people with us to heaven. My friend, what they see in us needs to be real and genuine. So we find very clearly tonight that they looked at Lot's life And they really weren't all that impressed. They heard what he said, they listened to him, but it made no real impact upon them. And I tell every young person in the building tonight, beyond making money and having a good job, being popular and having prestige, the greatest thing you can do is live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ and have an impact on other people for eternity. Amen. But in order to do that, there's got to be something real. Yeah. So can we make it without Abraham? Abraham? Can we make right choices without Abraham? Can we walk a right path without Abraham? Can we have a right persuasion without Abraham? Let me challenge you tonight when we're done. First of all, every parent, every grandparent, every adult in this building ought to ask God God, help me to be an Abraham. Help me to invest in somebody's life. Help me to take the wisdom, the experiences, the things you've given me and pass it on to another generation that they might be better and more equipped to love you, to serve you, to honor you. Help me to be an Abraham to somebody. Amen. Number two, I challenge you this. Probably somewhere tonight in this building, maybe we leave service tonight, maybe you need to send somebody a text. Maybe you need to walk over to somebody, put your arm around them, say thank you for being my Abraham. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for an investing in me. I, I, I believe tonight... And I don't want to take undue liberty, but I'll I'll say it. I think you'd understand this with me as a church family tonight. After 30 years, probably a good thing somewhere to tell your pastor and his wife, thank you for being an Abraham to me over the years. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for investing in me. Now, he wouldn't want me to say that and give any recognition, but I think after 30 years... I think that he's probably given of himself a little wet over the years. Most of you may not even be in church or have the relationship you have with the Lord had it not been for the Abraham that God's given you. It's always right to give honor to whom honors do. You ought to thank God for the Abraham in your life. A young person, challenge you tonight you need an Abraham find your Abraham draw it close to them learn like a sponge take everything you can that God has for you somewhere along the way your heart needs to start saying God help me help me to have my relationship with you because Abraham's not always going to be around. Abraham's not always going to be there to make your decisions and your choices for you. Abraham's not always going to be there to direct you and lead you down the right path, turn you into a person that can have an impact upon others for the cause of Christ. Can we make it without our Abraham? God, help us to be an Abraham God, help us to be thankful for Abraham. God, help us to prepare without Abraham. Our Father tonight,
2: we love you.